Hello, everyone, and welcome to Repot It, the rerouted podcast. I'm your host, Brian Schoening. I'm here with Chap Grub, our founder and CEO, co-host, as always, and our wonderful guest, Delaney, wilderness skills instructor, self-proclaimed dirtbag. Uh, so excited to have you, Delaney. Um, how are you guys? How are you guys doing? Let's start with Chap. Chap, how's, how's it going today, man? Great. Beautiful day in Durango. Super psyched. We got outdoor retailer coming up. Lots of good stuff in motion, but I'm way more excited to have Delaney here. You guys hear from me all the time. So Delaney, how are you doing? When this is released, we might be at Outdoor Retailer actively, actually. So that's, uh, that's, that's exciting. Delaney, how's, how's it going? Uh, It's going good. It's nice and sunny here in Oregon. So can't complain. Is it hot? Are there fires? Are you in the fire zone? Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got a ton of fires here in eastern Oregon and eastern Washington. Uh, and the big one is down in southwestern Oregon, I believe, right now, though. I was just in uh, I was just in Washington a couple of weeks ago during that crazy heat wave. I was in uh, I was in Leavenworth in eastern Washington when it was like 112 or whatever and yeah. um, grew up in Washington and lived there my entire life. And, uh, you know, can count on one hand the number of days above a hundred and and uh, no, no more no longer uh, uh yeah that's it reached about 120 here on the columbia um it was pretty miserable we there were some deaths in the ag industry uh that happened uh and that sparked some interesting conversations about heat safety in the pacific northwest and a lot of interesting conversations about climate change uh, yeah. So will, will you talk, will you talk a little bit more about those conversations that are active right now? Because it's, it's national, international news. Those fires are really problematic. Yeah. Well, I mean, growing up here, I've never seen fires start right in front of my eyes before. And this summer I've already seen three just from the freeway. Um, and they're not people just tossing cigarettes off of the road. Like they're like middle of wheat fields and stuff like that. Um, but there's that happening during the heat wave. A lot of conversations about wet bulb temps started happening, which is um, basically the peak temp that you hit where no matter the amount of wind on water or water temps, nothing can cool it down past that temperature. Um, and it only gets hotter and nothing will be able to cool it down. Uh, so Whoa. a lot of conversations about wet bulb temps have been happening in the Pacific Northwest. Cause that basically means like you have a few hours when you go outside to get back inside to a controlled temperature room before you can die from exposure outside. It's so, only a few hours. Yeah. Wow. When you hit, when you hit those, those severe of temps and humidity levels, yeah, and I think that's a big conversation happening in the southeast too. Yeah, so. I knew it. I knew it was bad. I mean, uh, again, when that when that heat wave hit, I think it was like in in Washington at least, only like thirty five percent of people had AC, and I imagine that's yeah. going to change a lot over over the next twelve months. Hopefully, before the next heat wave hits. Um, yeah. But I mean, with, for people who are who are out working um you know and and have to be outside that's that doesn't help that doesn't help that group i i want to i want to say to the group right now you know what can we do and there's obviously all the little things that we can and should and need to be doing but uh, delaney is there any 
are there any major takeaways you you've had through these conversations or you've heard through these conversations of little things that all of us can be doing to to help with some of this stuff because that's crazy that's that's really dangerous yeah um I've been thinking about it a lot uh because there's so much that seems to be put on individual consumers and we're always told growing up that you know you can make you can change the world like you as an individual can change the world and then you grow up and you learn like "Mm, only one individual (laughs) can change the world if they have a ton of money and those, unfortunately, the people who have a ton of money right now aren't doing anything to help us. And well, they're, so, going, they're, they're going to space to leave. Yeah, they're choosing to go to space and run from the problem. Uh, yes. all, I can, all I can really say is support local. Um, support local businesses. Yeah. Don't buy through Amazon. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> oh, yeah, de- sure. definitely. <laughs> we're, I, we're, we're anti-Amazon here. I think that that's, cool. I think that that's kosher. Yeah, every every business that's on Amazon has a website. They have very much so probably an Instagram and Facebook too that you can reach them out or reach to them or sorry, reach out to them <laughs> on um, and supporting local and then building up your local community's sustainability, um, encouraging like, for example, I know when I was down in the Southwest um, in like Arizona and Utah and stuff, there's a lot of people with grass yards and like grass isn't native to that area and it doesn't sustainably grow and it uses a lot of water. Um, And so just like encouraging a lot of community building around ending, it's called greenscaping where you just kind of put in these like green spaces, which are important in communities, but they're not natural to the habitats around them. Um, Just like encouraging a revamp of greenscaping to be more sustainable to the environments you're living in. eating, eating a diet that is, this one's a complicated topic, but eating a diet that is specific to also the ecosystems you live in. So like if you live in desert ecosystems, proteins, more sustainable to source from like bugs, or, um, if you can find certain types of plants, but bugs is like primary, primarily a resource and, um, stuff like that. It's a really cool, I think there's a really cool podcast episode on ologies, about stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just, just stuff like that, supporting your local community, keeping it off of Amazon, stuff like that. That's all I can really come down to on that. Um, cause plastic straws, isn't going to do anything completely like everyone going vegan is not going to do anything. It's, it's, we've got to use our money in a different way to change those industries that are causing problems. I I couldn't agree with you anymore. And that was very powerful. And, and I think that the, the way with which you delivered that is the way that we, we all really feel right. Which is, holy shit, this is hard, right? That we've caused some really big problems and we, we all need to step up together and it's not, there's the individual effort, but how much impact is the individual effort going to have if, businesses and capitalism and and everybody's not being challenged to improve it so brian you you i think i mentioned that i went to a escape meeting last night and it was about sustainability and business and so delaney that's what this community here in durango is working on there were people from the tourism department there were a bunch of small businesses so you're spot on this building locally starting from this area 
one of the guys that talked, they building a lumber company that's delivering super structural lumber to replace steel and concrete that can be done from within a hundred mile radius versus being shipped from Canada out of Deadwood Pine Beetle, right? Or Ponderosa Pine from the beetle infestation that was killed, right? And so super cool stuff, but uh, the the thing that I wanted to actually highlight on and throw back at you two was they, the tourism department talked about, you know, a low impact tourism department, a no impact tourism department, and then a regenerative tourism department. And I loved that idea of bringing people into the community to come and visit with regeneration in mind versus just not causing more harm. And, and I just wanted to throw that out at you two and kind of hear your thoughts because I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's actually, uh, I'm not kidding. I just got an email from Vail Resorts uh, yesterday about how they're like re, um, they're completely redoing whenever they get rid of old uh, ski or chairlift seats, all the foam in it and stuff. They're just recycling them all. They're trying to figure out how to revamp all of them so that they can turn them back into chairlift seats again and be reused over and over and over. And there's a few other things that they're doing. They're doing, they were doing like mountain restoration this summer. So they like posted an update about mountain restoration that's happening um, specifically where I was working this winter, which was Park City. And, um, and it was, it's been really interesting to see like a major corporation like that's green efforts. And I think that touches into what you're, what you're talking about. And I feel the outdoor industry has been such a huge driver in creating that change. And we've got to keep this momentum going forward. Well, one of the things that was interesting, Delaney, that you brought up is that it's not necessarily about, you know, an individual making like a singular change in kind of what they're doing. It's, it's not about an individual's awareness. It's about generational awareness. And Mm -hmm. one thing that's really cool is um, I also, when I, when I was back in Washington for, for a while, um, I was at this, this kind of like evening gathering with, uh, with a group of my friends. And it was very odd how every single conversation that I was having ended up on climate change somehow. And it was like, it became a, it became a running joke over the course of the evening. Cause like all of us, we would like start a conversation and then like 15 minutes later, we'd be talking about climate change again. And then we'd be like, well, let's talk about something that's like a little bit less sad. And then like 15 minutes later, we're back to climate change. But yeah. it was, it was really opening that like this kind of this generation is very very aware of the problems that uh that it's causing and and kind of you know starting to figure out what we can do about it you know on an individual level we're not all going to be perfect but if as kind of a, a whole group um if we can start making those kind of major changes um that's meaningful so go ahead oh no, please, please, please. I was just going to add on to that. Uh, you you brought up a really good point, Brian. When 
when you're hanging out with friends and these things get brought up, you're like, oh, this is so like, it's, it induces a lot of eco anxiety. Um, but also at the same time, you kind of have to keep having those conversations in order for you to come to the solutions and like have people who don't normally partake in conversations like that, hear those conversations and hear about solutions. Cause I can tell you right now where I'm at in rural Oregon, a lot of people don't understand why people have such a big issue with climate change because they live out in these green open spaces where there's no pollution, there's no smog, but then people in inner cities are freaking out because they're seeing all of this pollution and whatnot. And so it's like, it, when you have those conversations about climate change, when you bring an outside perspective, like I've lived in Salt Lake City, I've lived in rural out Escalante off grid. Like when you have those conversations with people who don't normally get those perspectives, it, it helps them understand and join the conversation and help educate other people that they also have a reach towards. So it's important conversations to have. It's, it's hard conversations to have, but the more we talk about it, the more we're going to create a solution. So. I, yeah, you nailed it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna title this episode hashtag eco anxiety, because I feel <laughs> like that's something that we feel constantly. And that's, I mean, segues us beautifully. Delaney, you know, I, I lived in a van. You are obviously in a teardrop, teardrop trailer. You want to talk a little bit about that? Because that is a decision that we can make as individuals, right? Is to not live in a mega mansion with a thousand rooms. I mean, not that we could afford a mega mansion with a thousand <laughs> rooms, even if that's something that we wanted. But the the idea of, you know, making uh, uh, living decisions that are a lot more responsible and uh, needs-based versus wants-based. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, um, I guess the whole tiny living thing started for me in college when I was just overwhelmed with the price of living in college towns and the cost of school as well on top of all of that. <laughs> and I started seeing people at Colorado State who were like leaving their vans in the parking lot, going to the gym and like they had this whole setup and I was like, what are they doing? And I started looking into it and learned about the tiny living movement and Personally, I wish I would have done the van life while I was in college because that's genius. You just buy a parking ticket, boom, you have all everything you need to live right there. Yeah. But um, I started really thinking about my impact on the world and how like our power grid system isn't necessarily being fueled in the most sustainable ways and whatnot. And I needed to really dig down to what my basic needs as a human were. And I know my needs is I need to be outside. 100% as much as possible. I need food. I need a little bit of shelter. And that's about it, honestly. Uh, the, I don't want to go to the bathroom. Um, there's ways to do that when you do this stuff. There's solar showers. Yep. There's, um, you know, having a gym membership, whatever. There's digging a cat hole in areas that you're allowed to do so. Yep. Um, there's just other ways to do that, but you all obviously want to make sure you're disposing of your own waste in a very responsible manner. Uh, but humans don't, I think we get caught up in a lot of materialism mm -hmm. and having the next best thing and using that as a way to kind of assert ourselves into society when we don't really need a lot of that to live. And if I've personally felt my best live doing this, like doing the tiny living, yeah. 
living off grid. And I wish it was so much more accessible than it is because when I went to go work for, um, at Vale for the winter, I, there was nowhere for me to park. There was nowhere for me to have this. I had to move into a house and it's, it's not a feasible or a completely accessible thing, but, right. but like you don't, that brings me into my next portion. I'm, I'm starting to figure out where I want to buy land and how I want to build a home. And I've, I know you probably know about them, chap, the earth ships. I've, yep. I've seriously considered doing, doing that apprenticeship and doing the earth ship stuff. And uh, I think that's a certification. One of my next moves that I'm going to get is doing something like that, because I feel sure. that is probably some of the best ways to help allow people to still maintain the comforts of modern homes, but live still in a way that maintains a sustainable environment completely around them. So yeah. regenerative. Well, so yeah, completely regenerative. It's that's a really it's a really interesting point that you made of kind of like reanalyzing what your needs are as just like a person and to kind of and to kind of live. And I think that we we even people who, um, you know, don't necessarily think that they're living in luxury. I'm using air quotes for those listening on on the podcast. Um, But we as humans over time have become, you know, kind of conditioned to this life of luxury, which is, you know, a bunch of things beyond, you know, our, our needs. I mean, like, I, I, I don't feel like I'm necessarily living a crazy life of luxury, but like, I'm in an apartment building that is huge. And, you know, we use a lot of electricity, we use a lot of water, we use a lot of kind of all of those things. And like, the reality is, no, probably don't need to be using all of that and, and probably could do a better job. Um, talk about those, the earth ships that, is that what you're, I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar with them. Yeah. Earth ships are pretty much homes that are completely built out of trash and dirt. <laughs> and that sounds really gross, but they are actually some of the most beautifully designed buildings I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've traveled quite a bit and they just, the way they incorporate glass from old glass bottles, how they insulate by packing in old tires with, you know, dirt and straw and whatnot. Um, They're just, they're self-sustaining homes, completely off grid. Uh, You can have, you know, solar panels. They're they're made out of recycled materials. Um, They will collect the rainwater that rains down and use that to filter through your entire house and cycle through your house and your needs, your, you know, gray water or whatever will filter into water your little garden greenhouse that's on the outside it's built specifically so that it maintains a natural temperature um with like typically a food garden on the outside edges of the home um it naturally cools down air through a kind of its vent ventilation ac system that they have um and keeps it typically at a pretty consistent I think it ranges around set in the 70s area um, but keeps it pretty cool and also warm in the winter you can have fireplaces whatnot they're beautiful um, I highly recommend falling into the rabbit hole of YouTube earth ships so but, yeah and Delaney mentioned it so she said she said that you know Chapa you probably already know all about them they're really foundationally based in Taos New Mexico where Sam and I have been living for the longest time. And there's a number of different earthship communities out there. 
But I will say something, Delaney. One of the first things that I learned about the Earthship communities, they very much prefer recycled materials over trash. So that's, yeah. that's, we build houses out of recycled materials, but it is, it's tires. It's every, it's literally everything. It's a really cool, they look like bunkers. They're very artistic. They're all sorts of colorful. They're, they're wild. They're absolutely yeah. wild works of art. Uh, Brian, maybe we can uh, post some pictures of some earth ships as part of this conversation, but this actually segues us into something the reason why Delaney and I met in the first place, I think it was just, how, did you reach out to me? Did I reach out to you? I actually was trying to remember. I, I don't. I, I think I just posted in outdoor jobs or whatever. And then you, you commented and we just were like, yep. Okay. Contact now. <laughs> Love it. Um, so Delaney's Delaney's done a bunch of work kind of really trying to put an intellectual tent to environmentalism and sustainability and as someone that's so outdoorsy living outside knowing that she needs to be outside her talk to us a little bit about the appeal for used gear why was it so easy it's everybody that's listening knows how much i love used gear and knows how much brian loves used gear so why why do you love used gear what do you love about it uh i honestly don't think i would be in the outdoor industry if it was if it wasn't for used gear uh I, I never, I've never had really my own, uh, income that was very disposable in the first place. Uh, and my parents are very more traditional and I love them for that. But they're like, when I was getting into the outdoors type of recreation stuff, they're like, I don't see what you're doing with this. Now they do, but, um, my own I had to get into the outdoors on my own and used gear is what I did and I bought used gear all the time I rented gear from our from our outdoor program in the college um actually it was you had to rent from CSU but the other college I went to Eastern Oregon University if you're a student um the gear was free unless you wanted to rent like rafts uh and so even then you got your deposit back from the raft if you didn't ruin it. So, um, but I use gears completely what I in the outdoors to get myself guiding, um, myself teaching outdoor skills. All I've only, I guess the sustainability was a huge driver too, uh, setting aside the financial aspect, because first of all, use gears already broken in. Like you don't have to like <laughs> break it in yourself, spend a couple weeks walking around in your living room. Like, you know, it's already broken in and, and I don't know, I just don't see any downfalls of used gear. You already know what you're getting and it's, it's sustainable. It's the most financially feasible option. It's the best. It's yeah, it, it is the best. I, yeah. I was going to make that kind of financially feasible point. Um, outdoor gear has gotten ridiculously expensive over the last, you know, 15, 20 years, you know, and, you know, 20, 30 years in my, in my lifetime, particularly. And I'm sure it's just been kind of exponentially growing, um, since then and, and used gear kind of lowers the barrier to entry to the outdoors in a really meaningful way. And it allows people to get outdoors that may not have been able, uh, to get outdoors if it wasn't for, for used gear. Um, 
And on top of that, it, it goes back to our kind of our sustainability conversation and that like, a, you know, a piece of gear that's being sold and then reused is, is not being thrown in the trash. And, and, you know, sure gear does wear out at a certain point, but most people are not using their outdoor gear until it's totally worn out. And, yeah. um, and that's kind of a really interesting aspect of it as well. Absolutely. You- I- Go ahead. I wanted to ask if you remembered the first piece of used gear you ever bought. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, um, I got my Deuter 22 liter hiking pack. It was like my first hiking backpack. Um, and I have been using it since 2015. Yes, 2015. I've used it to do wildfire research for the forest service while living off grid with them. Uh, I've used it for countless canyoneering adventures, rock climbing adventures, uh, mountaineering adventures, skiing, all of that. Uh, It's my favorite pack. It has some melted straps from fire season, but uh, it's one of my favorite packs I've ever had. And it definitely looks beyond used, but still works. <laughs> that, hey, that's all that matters. That was like perfect answer. You knew it. You were right on the spot. So it's a deuter back. It's 22 liters. Is that what you said? Yeah. That's like just enough. That's the perfect amount to do yep. pretty much everything. So you mentioned rock climbing a couple times, Delaney. I, I think that the first couple times we've conversed, I didn't realize that you were a climber. I think... I think that encourages me more to get you to come out to outdoor retailers so we can go climb together. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that uh, sounds like a lot of fun. We, and I would love to have you once these public lands open up. I would love to show you all our secret crags. Every, <laughs> every, every routed, we're all, we're all using outdoor retailer as just an excuse to go and hang out in Denver together for a week. So you should, def- sure. you should definitely come and hang out with us for sure. Team team offsite, team offsite. No, Um, this was, this was awesome. I'm glad that we, I wanted to, it's so intense right now and we're all trying really hard and talk about a generational effort and an industry effort. We're, we're all in the outdoor industry. And I think that the outdoor industry is really stepping up and, and trying to lead the way and make, this really cool and sexy and hip and and encourage everybody to take these leaps but i'm glad that we got to talk about some of the rad old gear that you've got that you still rock to this day how about uh how about a super rad adventure delaney what's something that you've done recently that was like really memorable or a moment or uh, it can be kind of anything however you want to take it um i would say probably after climbing in one of my favorite places on the Oregon Idaho border. I was paddle boarding. It was actually, um, last November, a few weeks after I had talked to you, I think, um, I was paddle boarding across the snake, um, from the hot spring I had been soaking in and it was just me and my dog <laughs> and the water was splashing up over our feet. It was a full moon and it was below freezing out. And I was in my chacos, but I like, just remember standing there under the full moon with my dog completely silent. The water was glass just after a good day of climbing with a friend and soaking in a hot spring. I just was like, this is the life. I'm so happy here. 
and yeah, that was that, probably amazing. Amazing. That's perfect. Um, Brian, what do you think? How, how are you feeling? I always love Delaney. I, I would love to talk yeah, to her forever. We could end up talking to her for a, a lot longer than the time that we've allotted, but, um, we are kind of, we are kind of coming up on, on our, on our time here. Um, Delaney, do you have anything that you want to kind of pump to our audience, share your Instagram, whatever projects you're working on, um, that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, uh, if you want to follow my adventures and uh, kind of the photo projects I've been working on, uh, Dirtbag X Delaney on Instagram is a good one. Uh, my photography specific account is Delaney X Photo, uh, and I am working on some pretty big projects uh, with the local indigenous community that I grew up around. So there's some big things happening there. So do you, do you want to? We have a, a minute or two. Do you want to spend a minute and talk a little bit more about those projects? Uh, yeah, I've been working with a nonprofit called is Enough is Enough, uh, ran by my friend Cola Shippentower. She's an amazing human and amazing advocate for the Indigenous community, and she's been doing a lot for the missing and murdered Indigenous women, as well as missing and murdered Indigenous relatives, which is pertaining a lot around the residential schools, and you've probably seen that on the news. Uh, and there was one of those schools where we grew up going to church, and her dad actually attended it. So we've been working on a project to kind of um, empower the community to take back culture and honor loved ones that and survivors that went to those schools. So wow, that's that's amazing. Maybe Delaney, can you send us a note with their handles and stuff and we'll make sure that we share them and let our audience know about them. It's this is all stuff that we think about and it's it's all part of the same effort right it's generational awareness across the board about being better being more aware taking better care of ourselves and each other and and the places that we live so that's that's really special Delaney and we're we're super lucky to get to kind of follow along with what you're doing up in the northwest and we can't wait to have you back sometime soon. Hopefully we'll see you soon and we'll, uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you so much, Delaney. Brian, you want to wrap us up? Yeah. Chap, if you want to, if you want to give all the, all the places oh. that people can follow rerouted and then I'll do i I'll do a quick wrap up. Um, Delaney, we also, we also write a, a short little blog, uh, to accompany each podcast post. So we'll definitely make sure to get, um, you know, anything, anything that you, that you want to, to have in there, you can, you can shoot me, shoot me an email and, and we'll make sure that it gets there. But yeah, chap, uh, why yeah. don't you give our, our handles and, and I'll wrap up. I like Delaney's handles better. There's, those are good <laughs> handles, Delaney. Uh, uh, ours are Instagram at rerouted.co, Facebook at rerouted.co, Twitter, at get rerouted but i just complained to try to get the at rerouted handle so stay tuned on that one that might happen soon uh and then you can hit us up we're we're around just let us know i'm always available brian knows i'm up at first thing in the morning and i go that late you can hit up hit up chap individually on twitter at chap chats and uh definitely he'll definitely engage with you uh engage with you over there but. That's true. That's good. Thanks, Brian. Um, yep. Brian, wrap us up. Let's let's uh, let's get Delaney out of here.
Awesome. Delaney, thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, chap, as always, it's a, uh, it's a pleasure recording, recording these podcasts. Um, this one will be up second week of August. Uh, we're recording it here at the end of July, but it'll be up here in a few weeks. Um, on behalf of Brian, Chap, Delaney, and Rerouted, that's been Repotted. <laughs>